I want to talk to you today about God, can you hear us? Our world is shaking. Almost everyone, each in our own way, facing fear, grief and trauma. Our world has been shaken. Concentration is difficult. Sleep is broken. A few weeks ago, our world was generally safe. We, we could connect with those we love. Now all our assumptions have been shattered. 7.7 million people in the UK are living in households on their own. Many of them are desperately isolated. And we are grieving our old life. But in the midst of this, Google searches for the word prayer have surged. They've skyrocketed as COVID-19 has surged. And world leaders, including the Queen of England, are encouraging us to pray. But I guess the question is, is God listening to our prayers? Can he hear us? God loves you and he wants to be in a close, intimate, loving relationship with you. That's what prayer is. That's why prayer is the most important activity of your life. But how should we pray at a time like this? There's an Old Testament passage which millions of Christians around the world, including our own church, are going back to at this time. It's in 2 Chronicles 7.14. And the verse before, verse 13, has a word which is the most Google word in China. Because in China, the same word is used for plague and pandemic. And effectively, what verse 13 tells us is when there is a pandemic, this is how you should pray. God says to Solomon, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And he goes on to say his eyes will be open and his ears will be attentive to our prayers. In other words, he will hear our prayers. And in these verses, we see four keys to prayer at a time like this. The first key to prayer that we see in this passage is perspective. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. There's something about this virus which is humbling. We see that when we're not omnipotent, we're not in control. We never were in control, but we had the illusion of control. And now we realize we're not. But not only has this virus humbled us, we are called to humble ourselves. That's a choice. As a result of the virus, we've lost some choices. For example, we can't choose when we leave the house. But we can choose to humble ourselves. And there's a lot of talk about the church rising up, but perhaps the place to start is by falling on our knees. Personally, and this is just a personal thing, I found that's how I love to start the day. I actually start the day by making a cup of coffee and I often get distracted at that point because the first thing I want to do is read the Bible, but I end up 
by looking at social media or emails or stuff. And, and uh, I try and resist that temptation, but usually I fail. But very quickly, I want to be on my knees before God reading the Bible because I find that posture is, is the best one, the most appropriate one for me because I want to get God's perspective on things. I want to hear what God has to say to me. And I find being on my knees is a way that I can humble myself before him and get his perspective. William Temple, the great Archbishop of Canterbury during World War II said this, the world can be saved from chaos and collapse by one thing only, worship. Worship gives perspective. It takes our eyes off ourselves. And humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. One of the things I find now is that I sometimes wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat and I think, oh my goodness, have I got, have I got the fever? Or I, I've coughed in the night and I think, oh, have I beginning to get the virus? Is this, this is a persistent cough. And then my mind starts to think, if I get it, then I might give it to Pippa and she's vulnerable. And then I start to think about what would happen to her and I think about the worst case scenario and I start to catastrophize. So I've learned to try and resist that. And rather than thinking about myself, rather than self-preoccupation, at that moment to pray for other people, to intercede for other people. And I find that as I do that, the fear goes. And this is part of getting God's perspective, humbling ourselves. And that is the first key to prayer. The second key to prayer at a time like this is presence. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, sometimes translated, seek my presence. God's face, he says, if, if we seek his face, his presence, then his eyes will be open and his ears will be attentive to our prayers. God loves you. He wants to hear from you. I think of when our son, eldest son Henry and Janine and our grandson Makai, who's two now, were staying with us until a few months ago they were here. And I remember the very first time that they went out for the evening and left us in charge of Makai. And we had a, a monitor to listen to him. But I was so worried that the monitor might not be working. It's, it's funny, isn't it? I think I was more relaxed with my own children than I am with my, our grandchildren. But I, I, I didn't really trust the monitor. I thought it might be broken. So I kept going up and listening at his door to hear if he was crying. And I think God sometimes is like that with us. He's, he, he, he's listening. Are, are we praying? Are we, are we speaking to him? He wants to hear our cry. And he says, see my face seek my eyes, my attention, my ears, but also God has a mouth. God's face has a mouth and he wants to speak to us. And I find he speaks to me primarily through the Bible, but he also speaks as we pray. So when I finish um, reading the Bible, I like to go for, for a walk around our local park. Personally, I find that if I sit to pray, I just fall asleep. Uh, and what I find the best way to pray is to walk. And I still get very distracted, 
but I find that's the best way. And thankfully, even with lockdown, we're allowed to go out and exercise and walking is exercise. So I talk as I walk. And, you know, I, I do different things, but basically it's, it's time chatting to God, talking with God in his presence. I usually start with just thanking God. Thanksgiving helps us to focus not so much on what we've lost, but on what we've still got. Thanking God that we can still go out to walk. Thanking God for food. Thanking him for loo paper. Thanking him for the things that we still have. And then talking to him about whatever's going on in our lives. And I love to do that. I love to sense his presence with me, to, to talk to him about my anxieties, my fears, the things that are, are troubling me. And praying for things, asking him for things. But asking is not all of prayer, that's just part of it. It's a relationship. It's a love relationship. And it's in his presence. That's the amazing thing. God's presence refreshes our soul. It feeds us. It comforts us. There's an amazing blessing of being in the presence of God. That's the second key to prayer. The third key to prayer at a time like this is peace. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then he promises he will forgive our sins. Does that mean that this virus is sent by God because of our wicked ways? I, I don't think so. I think God has allowed it, but I don't think he's sent it because it doesn't make sense because this is hitting the the poor far more than anyone else. And I don't believe that God sends these things, but he does allow them and sometimes he uses them to get our attention. When Jesus was asked about some kind of natural disaster that had happened, and he was asked whether that was a kind of judgment from God, he said, no, but unless you repent. In other words, take these moments to examine your heart. If there are things in your life that you need to get sorted out, Deal with them because God doesn't want us to have anything in our lives that interferes with our close, intimate relationship with him. Because he loves us and he promises to forgive us. In fact, through Jesus, he has forgiven us and he loves us. When Micaiah was staying with our grandson, again going back to Micaiah, when our two-year-old was staying with us. What he loved to do was at 4.30, 4.30 is the time of day I, I like to have fruit salad. I, I'm a routine person and every day I like to have fruit salad with a bit of smoothie on top of it. And Makai also likes fruit salad. And he calls me Bar, he go, Bar! And then he put up his hands, which was meant he wanted to come and sit on my knee and eat my fruit salad with me. And he'd sit there going, Deuce, which is his favourite bit, more deuce, and I try and teach him to say more deuce, please, because I want him to have good manners, and he he is so adorable. But Macau also has his moments, you know, like right now when we're not together and we're trying to connect with our family on 
video of some kind, he likes to take, take the phone and switch it off. It's very hard to have a conversation with his parents. But the fact that he's not perfect doesn't mean we don't adore him. God loves imperfect people. That's the point of the cross. Jesus died for you and for me. He took all of our bad stuff on himself. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He looks at you and he loves you. With, with all our imperfections, he loves us just as we love our children and grandchildren, in spite of the fact that all of us have imperfections. God loves us, but he wants us to get rid of the stuff that interferes with our relationship with God, that takes away our peace. I find the bad stuff in my life is stuff that I lose my peace. And God wants us to have that peace. It's peace like the deep ocean current beneath the waves. Of course, at the moment, there are a lot of waves and, and wind on the surface, a lot of storms, but we can still experience that deep peace. And as we pray, we can bring our anxieties to God and he takes our anxieties and gives us his peace. That's the third key to prayer. The fourth key to prayer at a time like this is power. Because prayer not only changes us, it also changes situations. God hears our prayers and acts in response to our prayers. So he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. What will a healed land look like? Well, of course, we're all praying for an end to this virus. But interestingly, a YouGov survey recently asked whether people wanted to go back to things as they were, and only 9% did. We want to see change. We want to see a different kind of world because our world is broken, and we want to see a healed land. And I think we've tasted something better. We've seen the skies clear over India and China, and now I've never seen the sky so blue in London. I can hear the birds right now. Normally I'd be hearing the aeroplanes. Something beautiful is emerging, not just in the natural world, but also in human relationships. There's a kind of kindness. Friend, people are much more friendly. I find you know, walking in the park, people who have passed for months and have never said hello are suddenly saying hello and being friendly. Neighbors who, who've never met before are reaching out to help to bring food to deliver medicine there's an altruism a kindness something very beautiful emerging in in the solidarity we all feel together so i noticed in our alpha small group we're all facing the virus there's there's a commonality and between nations the, the walls are coming down there's less conflict because there's a unity, something beautiful is emerging. And we don't want to lose that. In fact, we, we hope and pray that, that a healed land will involve even more of that and less of some of the things that we had before, but more kindness, more love for the poor. 
a homelessness. The Pope tells the story of a policeman on the streets of Rome going up to a man and saying, you can't be on the streets, you need to go home. To which the man replied, I have no home, I live on the streets. In London, we've put all the homeless into hostels. But why can't we do that on a permanent basis? Surely, if we're prepared to pay such a high cost, as we rightly should to save lives, we could start to address some of the other issues in our world that will require a cost, but perhaps not as great a cost as we're paying right now, to deal with issues of sanitation and clean water and poverty, rather than allowing 25,000 people every day and 8,500 children to die from lack of food, when there's plenty of food, there's enough food in the world to go around. Perhaps we'll start to address these issues, to address, address the issues in relation to our climate, our environment, to give these our attention. That's what a healed world will look like. But maybe it will start, and it should start, with healed lives, individual lives, coming into healed relationships with God. The word for healing and salvation are the same word in the, in the New Testament. And as people experience a relationship with God, that is healing. And that's why I'm just so thrilled to see what's happening with Alpha right now. Um, all around the world, people are doing Alpha online. Thousands of courses in, in this country, thousands of churches. And on our own course, we have never had so many people coming. Already at this stage, we weren't due to start for another three weeks. We've had 1,400 guests registering, seeking God, and in our small group, I, only one person in the small group said they would have been there anyway. All the others are coming because of the virus that's given them more time or, or, or more desire, or it's just easier for them to do it online. And so, that, God willing, they'll experience a relationship with Him, an intimate, loving relationship with Him that will bring amazing Spirit like healing, and then healing to marriages and families. Again, it's it, it, it so needed in our society. And the Lee's marriage course at this stage, it's running all over the country and all around the world, but on our own course here, they normally have 80 to 100 couples. Right now they have over 4,000 couples coming and hopefully their marriages will be just improved, enriched, and in some cases, healed and restored. And then to see what's happening out on the streets, not only are we clapping the NHS, but our friend Pat Allerton, and, and actually many like him around the country, he's the vicar of, of a church in Notting Hill, he's going around and he, he is... While sticking to social distancing, he's leading people in the singing of amazing grace and praying the Lord's Prayer. People are popping out their front doors and coming onto their balconies and they're singing on the streets. Uh, you have to go back to 1954 when Billy Graham came to London to see that kind of thing happening. But it seems like, it's almost like God is answering the prayers that many of us have been praying for years for a kind of spiritual revival to take place. It's not happening how we would have wanted it to happen, but it is happening in an, in an amazing way. It's beginning to happen. And that's what we're praying for when we're praying that God will heal our land. And we can all be involved with this. Every single person can be involved in it. We can all be involved in serving. 
I was so encouraged to see an 80-year-old couple who are like almost full-time ringing people to encourage them that they're, they're serving. We can all be involved in volunteering in, that, in some kind of way, in serving, in giving. The church needs resources at this time and all of us can give. And perhaps most important of all, all of us can pray. And God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a moment now to respond to what the Holy Spirit may have been saying to you today. We're going to pray a prayer which we always pray every Sunday at HTB. Come Holy Spirit. And I'd love to encourage you wherever you are, you're sitting or standing or whatever, simply to hold out your hands as a way of saying to God, Lord, please come and fill me today with your Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come and fill each person right now. Now allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. The Holy Spirit brings us into the presence of God. And it may be in his presence something comes to mind that you need to ask forgiveness for. And I encourage you right now just to ask God to forgive you. And then receive his forgiveness. Jesus died for you so that you can be totally forgiven. Now receive his forgiveness. And know his presence with you. His eyes are upon you. He's watching over you to protect you, to guard you. His ears are attentive to your prayers, whatever it is you want to ask him for. Bring to him any fears or anxieties or grief. And receive his love. The Holy Spirit always gives us an experience of God's love. The love of God is poured into your hearts by the Holy Spirit. Know today that God loves you more than any parent loves their child or grandparent loves their grandchildren. Allow his love, you are loved, that knowledge of his love to fill your heart today. And receive his peace. It says, have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. 
and then the peace of God will fill you. Peace of God beyond all understanding. Fill your heart right now. In Jesus' name. Amen.